And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of one of these years. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. I'm, of course, one, uh, Nick Bobgar. I was going to say, I'm, of course, one of these years. I am, of course, Nick Bobgar, along with Colton Pouncey. <laughs> We're back from uh, mini vacation, Christmas vacation. Colton, how was your uh, holiday? Very relaxing. Oh, um, good, good. I think we made the right call skipping that game and not traveling to <laughs> yes. Carolina, especially with all these plane cancellations, airlines having all these uh, yeah, issues. Like, I might not have made it home until like Wednesday whew. if I had gone out there. So I was I mean, gonna say, I hope you, I hope you drove home. Um, I know you don't live too far away. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was good. Yeah, I was, I was gonna. Say, I hope you weren't stuck on the Southwest debacle of 2022. I. Uh, me and the family flew to San Francisco to see my uh, in-laws um, oh, okay. at their beautiful home, but we flew Delta, so thank God. Uh, and there you go. We were okay. As says, like an like an adult, <laughs> like an adult, we flew Delta, <laughs> uh, but also like I felt terrible because we were. I was talking about this with, with some people yesterday. Like, there's like depend. It depends on where you live at this time of year. What airline yeah. you, you want to pick, right? We always make fun of people around here who choose not to fly Delta because it's like, well, why would you do that? We we randomly live yeah. in a Delta hub city. But, like, yeah, I felt so bad because, like, if you're trying to get to – like, a lot of those Michigan fans I was hearing from trying to get to Phoenix uh, for this bowl game, you know, that's all Southwest. Mm-hmm. Disaster. So, long story yeah. short, Merry Christmas to all. And I, my uh, thoughts uh, are with everyone who is stranded. I hope everybody gets, like, a week off of work. And I hope Southwest yeah. Airlines – Crumbles to the ground, Colton. I hope real, it man. never exists after 2023. Because we could have <laughs> an entire episode on that as someone who spent many a year. Uh, that used to be my home airline back in the day, Colton. When I, when okay. I first started doing this uh, and I was living down south, you had to fly southwest. And it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you, but it wasn't great. <laughs> and... Man. It's one of those where it's, it's like so it's bad. not as not as bad as spirit, but yeah, uh, unfortunate that it seems like they have now reached spirit levels uh, of the airline yeah. stratosphere. Can we say that? I think that's fair, right? I'm not flying I mean, Southwest. I'd rather fly spirit. Like <laughs> yeah, right. at this point, like for this specific time window, I would rather fly spirit than Southwest. They just shut so. down. Yeah, they just shut down. That's good. I've never seen that before. I know. And I was like, anyway. did Spirit have problems over Christmas? And if they, I was like, if they did, they're, sure it's they on the did, back page. But... <laughs> it doesn't matter. But in any event, Spirit's probably like, whew. Yeah, All right, right, finally, someone taking the heat off of us. In any yeah. event, uh, uh, one team, one group that did have problems on the holiday was the Lions. Um, Golden, uh, worst game of the year, right? I think that that's yep. probably fair to say. I've uh, since rewatched it. I know you were you watched it live. Um, your opening opening thoughts here. We've got a lot to unpack, but I, I mean that's what my opening sort of thought was. This is the worst game of the year, worse than the Patriots game, uh, especially considering the circumstances. Just full stop. Just a bad day. Yeah, you know, watching that game from TV was different. That was like the first game that yeah that you were covered right? in person in like a you know a few years now. Um, and so I, I will say, like when you're in the press box and everything's happening in front of you, you're just kind of like taking it all in without. 
you, know, you don't you, have you time can to react, react yeah. a certain way, but you, yeah, I mean, you, a lot right. of times like you're just kind of keeping it, you know, pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it from TV and also hearing the commentators and, you know, everything that goes along with the you yeah. know, at home experience, I'm watching all these runs and I'm just like, is someone going to stop him? Like <laughs> make a tackle. Like, what are you doing? Like yeah. all these arm tags I'm watching. I'm just like, man, is this what you guys deal with? Like every Sunday from, you know, watching from afar. Like I, I, I get it now while you guys are so frustrated, but um, I know I watching, that's what the Patricia like, era was like, actually. Damn. Yeah. When you were just yeah. like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I hadn't seen one of those games this year. I mean, honestly, right. like even the no, Patriots game, like did not feel that bad. No, like the, no. they were still, it's like a 13, zero game at halftime, something like that. Um, this was, man, a bloodbath on the ground. Like 320 rushing yards. It's a franchise record for the Panthers. I think they had like 570, Brutal. 571 total yards, which is also Brutal. a franchise record. So, I mean, you picked a terrible time to have your worst defensive effort of the season when there have been a lot of bad defensive efforts this yeah. year. Like, I mean, in a game where if you won, you're sitting pretty for the playoffs. And, um, you know, I, I will say I thought this was going to be – Tougher than people thought, just because oh, yeah. the Panthers are playing hard. Absolutely, they they have like some sort of identity now. They didn't have it under Matt Rule, but they discovered their run game. Mm-hmm. Um, Darnold's making some nice throws. Defense plays hard. Um, you know, this is a, a team that wants to go to the playoffs and they're competing Absolutely. for a playoff spot. So like it, they were just going to roll over. And I thought this would be maybe a tougher game to get than people were thinking. Um, at the same time, I was not expecting that sort of effort. Right. And I think yeah. that's what makes this more surprising. Yeah, I mean, hey, we talked about it for two weeks um, on the show, right? That, you know, the Panthers are still playing really well. The playoffs are on the table. A couple weeks ago, it was, you know, the fact that they were just playing hard for Steve Wilkes. And I mean, whenever we see a team doing that, that says a lot, right, to us. Whenever we see a team that's like just, they don't really have anything to play for and they're just going at it for their coach. To me, that usually means a lot. Side note, uh, if I was a Nebraska fan right now, I don't think I'd be clicking my heels about Mr. Yeah. Mr. I'm the greatest thing alive rule. But anyway, that's another show for another podcast because the <laughs> Panthers are playing terrific football. In my reaction, Colton, when I watched, you know, this game and I watched it all my first. Yeah, I did not watch it live because I was out west. Like I said, I was in San Francisco. So the local feeds were uh, not I was not helping. They're not helping me. And I did not have access to any of my stuff. So I did not <laughs> I did not watch it live. Yeah. But I tried to be with the family. So I watched it on yeah. the all 22 later. And yeah, my reaction was like, well, this looks like a Patricia game. This looks like one of those old college type games where you have one team that is really dialed in with some great stuff. And the Panthers did exactly what we talked about this a little bit um, on the day. They did exactly what the Lions would do to people. And it was something I'd wondered when somebody was going to do this. They just said, screw it. We're going to be who we are. We're coming at you. And we're coming at you on the ground, downhill, with a bunch of different stuff that's going to mess with your eyes and we'll see if you can tackle. And to me, this, this was twofold. It, it told us all that the, you know, the Panthers, and I think we've seen this, the numbers have shown this for those who study it, that their good young players are getting better and better and they're, they're growing along the right track. Um, but the lions defensively, it shows us, I think still how close they are to just like toppling over and going off the edge. You know what I mean? Like they have been playing, uh, above their head, I think a little bit. You know, I think that's fair to say this was yeah. way below their head. But I think that this was certainly for a lot of guys, including Aaron Glenn, probably um, a really sobering wake up call because this was an ass kicking. And in the NFL, to give up three hundred and thirty yes. whatever yards, whatever you said, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Like when I saw the box score at halftime, and it was two forty. Like, that's insane. That's like a Big 12 game or something. So, 
Disaster. They had two hundred yard backs at halftime. Disaster. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like nothing worked. the The first play of the game, I actually tweeted a video of it the other day, or yesterday. The first play of the game is that they motion the guy across and they come back with like what looks like split zone. It's just a little misdirection. It's not an actual counter play, but it's a split zone across and then the actual misdirection back. And it's no, I mean, nothing. No one is near the fill. Okuda misses a tackle, can't get off a block. No one is getting off a block. No one is filling. And then they beat them on that play like four times for chunks. And then they beat them on the same variation of like three other things like four or five times for massive chunks of yards. And I don't know if it was the cold. I don't know if it was the focus. I don't know what it was. Um, But it was just bad. Everybody had like their worst possible day at once. And it's just that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I give credit to Aaron Glenn over the previous, you know, six, seven games for making this defense look competitive in a way. Like, sure. Obviously, like we had talked early season, they don't have talent to do what he wants to do. Um, but still, they were averaging like 19.9 points a game, something like that defensively. Yeah. Um, so they were limiting scoring opportunities in the red zone. Um, their rush defense was actually pretty solid over that stretch. I think mm-hmm. they were top 10 um, in a lot of categories. And... It, it, even throughout that, it felt like they were, you know, kind of playing above their weight and right. just, you know, kind of masking these issues. Like we knew that they would yeah, have to address good, some spots, like in the offseason. Working and, through it, you know, um, almost. Working through it, yeah. yeah. Like they still needed help, maybe another linebacker in free agency or yeah. the draft or some corners here and there. Like we knew that they still need to add talent, but they were playing pretty well. You had to wonder how long that would last. And But the weird thing to me is like they knew what the Panthers were going to do. Like, they knew their game plan. They're going to use right. the two backs. They're going to run it all over you if they can. Um, Darnold was going to – I think Darnold's mobility maybe caught them off guard a little bit, and the Panthers kind of took advantage of that. But honestly, it's like I'm watching this game. The linebackers – we talked about Malcolm Rodriguez and maybe um, some of his issues that he needed to work through as a rookie. And a lot of it was like this over-aggression where yeah. he's so quick to kind of see something that he'll exactly. just run and into – yeah. And then, yeah, and then he takes himself out of a play. I thought he did that quite a bit in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Anzalone had been playing well the previous three games. He had probably his worst game of the year. <laughs> it's a bad day. <laughs> um, there were some runs. They had had like a zone read where um, I think it was Josh Pascal was like there on the edge but couldn't make the play and then yeah. goes up the middle for like another 30-yard run. Um, there were these arm tackles by the DBs and second-level tackling was terrible. I think the Lions had... 13 missed tackles total in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a really, like, I don't want to say shocking because, like, this defense you knew was possible. But it like, was a yeah, for, worst for case how scenario. Been playing, yeah, right. For how they had been playing and what was at stake in this game if they had pulled it out, that was that was a little bit shocking to me. And I do think, looking back at it and looking at some of the decisions, you know, that Aaron Glenn made with calls in that game as they were sort of desperately trying to get back into it. Um, and I think they were guilty of – overcorrecting too hard, uh, and they've been guilty of this uh, this season, uh, especially Aaron Glenn. Uh, early in the year, he was guilty of this, and I think it got back to him a little bit in this one. And that, and they have a they have a tendency to do this. I think the whole Lions staff does, and they have sometimes they have to work through it. Sometimes it works in their favor, but that aggression to just like coach the game like you played it. We're gonna fight our way through this. We're just gonna aggressively push our way through this. We're a mess right now. Nothing's working, but whatever. And so when you're looking out there, you mentioned a couple of those zone reads. That's why Carolina had such a good, they really called it well because, you know, when AG gets frustrated, when the defense gets frustrated, a lot of times they go, it's not just to pressure. It's not just to the blitzing and it's not just to bring in extra guys. You know, he'll change up a lot of what he does structurally. You saw out there, you know, the Lions got back into some of the, they 
you know, they've played more single high this year than than they did last year. And when they get back into that and just want to live into that and bring that extra safety up and just trust him to fit like a linebacker, you're opening yourself up to just get cut right down the middle. And that's what happened, you know, how many times For a guy that making his first career start? Yeah. Like how many times iffy? did that happen? Yeah. yeah. Iffy. I mean, Will Harris isn't good at it. Um, and, you know, if he was, oh my God, it was just a mess. <laughs> I mean, just a yeah. total mess. And Darnold is not Lamar Jackson, but Sam Darnold's the type of quarterback that's like good enough to keep his own read. And if you're going to play, you know, single safety defense, you're going to get toppled over in half and your legs cut out from under you. And that happened over and over on just careless, nonsensical yeah. runs that were, that weren't necessarily you know, big hitters just because the guys didn't fit. This was a big thing with Patricia. Not necessarily big hit, you know, big hitters just because the guys didn't fit right, but because you just weren't giving them a chance. If you're playing single high and you're bringing pressure and you're bringing everybody up on the line and you don't have, you know, amazing tacklers, you're asking to get your ass kicked. You're asking for it. And that's... You're begging for it. Yeah, yeah, and that's... I get the reason. I get the logic. And like, hey, if we can just bring pressure up here and make a mess of this whole thing because we play so hard, maybe that'll that'll cause a turnover or something like that and get us right back in this game. But when you're getting just steamrolled at the line of scrimmage like that, get out of here. And then later in a game, when we see... You know, third and fourteen, and he brings the house, and it's zero coverage across, and Okuda gets beat. Oh, Come yeah. on, man! Like you're not even, and that's a bad, that's bad by Jeff, but you're not helping him, and you're leaving him hanging out no. to dry. And Jeff can't. That's not his strength. And so, to me, that's one where I bet you, uh, I think you guys are talking to Aaron later today, right, Colton, uh, on Thursday. Yep. I'll bet you he kicks himself in the butt on this one because it just was a bad day from everybody. It wasn't just his fault. But it was everybody, and we've seen that a couple times this year, and it's like, that's where, you know, we've, we've railed on Campbell a few times about that. You know, I think Glenn is in the same spot where it's like, you got to, when the plan doesn't work, when the plan is not going the way it needs to go, the answer, the counter can't be just throw the clipboard down and just bust through the wall because it yeah. doesn't always work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do, no doubt. And I don't know, I'm watching this game. I really think they missed a Sean Elliott. Um, I think yeah, they, probably. his impact in a game like this, maybe that's just like the depth isn't there behind him. Uh, because if he was making, I think, I think his first start it, at yeah. his first start at safety, yeah, um, he took some really bad angles. Uh, mm-hmm. He missed some tackles. He looked pretty confused out there, and I mean that's somewhat to be expected because he is making this transition from corner to safety, still learning right. position. But at the same time, like he just didn't look prepared to play, and <laughs> he got most of those really snaps. hasn't yet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, maybe CJ Moore would have been, I don't know. He, yeah, he played hey, well in limited, limited. He would have competed. There, so. Yeah. You're right about that. I think so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, between that and I, I think I saw something that said, um, the Panthers, neither of their two running backs face like a single stacked box. Nope. Uh, on any carry in that game, which is like, dude, you're getting gashed. You got to add someone else there in the box just to right. help yourself. And if you're going to be that, uh, that stubborn, I guess. And say like, no, we're gonna we're gonna win or lose my way. Like, well, yeah, exactly and, and if your guys can't fill, then it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you like, can see that they're yeah, not right. doing it. Like <laughs> at that point, you've got to make an in-game adjustment. Yeah. That's one thing I still don't know about the staff is their ability to, you know, we know that yeah. they can motivate, we know that they can develop and all the stuff, but the in-game decision making in a lot of ways and in-game adjustments, like 
I would still like to see more of that. I do. Yeah, I think that's a totally fair um, critique. And I think also another fair critique would be is that the defense in general is still looking for its identity here. I think that, you know, when Chris and I talked with Aaron Glenn, when he came in and sat down and watched tape with him, we were so much about, you know, I'm a split safety coach. You know, this is a, you know, we're, we live in too high. We're going to be in too high and we're going to stay there until you force us out. We are going to sit there and make you run us out of the shell, right? That's sort of what he brought here. That was his kind of idea and philosophy. And I think that as we've talked about all year, that that's expanded. And I think he's tried to expand things. And I think that my criticism of him this year, and I think he's a fantastic coach, like we've talked about, would be that I think he needs to spend the off season um, getting, getting back to like, let me just figure out what my identity is as a coach. He has a lot of, he has a lot of stuff because he knows a lot of stuff. And I think he tries to, you know, impart a lot of that in there. And they were getting excited over the last couple of weeks because they were able, they were starting to add more in, right? They were starting to even take stuff yeah. from last year. And I think sometimes they get a little excited and they just get carried away. And they try to like, they try to go and do something that they're not ready to do. And they try to be someone that they're not ready to be. And I think that that happens on defense far too much because when they're at their best is when, when their walls, when their back is against the wall, like, I would expect them to come out, and we'll talk about the Bears game in a minute. I would expect them to come out and play a lot better <laughs> on Sunday defensively against Chicago. Because when yes, they get I agree. when they get shredded like this is usually when they go back to the drawing board and we hear about, you know, we ripped everything down to the studs and we went back and found out what was going wrong. That's what their strength typically is, these guys, is finding out problems and fixing them. But it's like at some point you're also you're still creating these issues for yourself and you're doing it because you're just getting too aggressive. And and I, I still think that Glenn in general is like, it feels like he's finding that right balance, right? Like of what are we as a defense? And I, I and it's hard yeah. in the NFL because, you know, there's not a lot of that anymore. There's not a lot of like, what are we as a defense? You, what, what you are as a defense in most worlds is the best version of yourself that survives. It's just like whatever you have to do yep. to hang on, whatever you have to do to get through the game. Like that's... You, that has to be kind of your identity. And there's little things within that, of course. You can't do everything, but it's like, I don't know. I, that's where I'm kind of landing on it. And I think part of their season has been, so much has been about getting guys confident, getting them individually in the right spot, just to play your best ball individually. And you haven't yeah. had enough time to spend on like, well, what are we as a group? You know, Romeo just got back. Pascal hasn't been there. Levi hasn't been there. We've seen, we've talked about guys coming back and going, if he hasn't, you know, that was his first real shot at it and it wasn't good, but it was his first real shot at it. So I think that that's, well, there's a lot of that going on. And a lot of that is that probably could have been fixed in the off season and can be fixed in this next off season. I, I don't know. I mean, what is your, what is your, what's your thought on that, on that whole thing? Cause we see an identity with the offense, do we not? And we really don't with the defense. Yeah, we do. No. And I, I think you're spot on. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm even during the stretch, I'm trying to figure out like, Okay, the defense is playing better. Why? Like, and I was breaking down a lot of stats and categories yeah. and seeing where they rank in the league and from like weeks nine to 16. And a lot of it was like, I mean, they're pretty average across the board, but, but that's yeah, better than right. being like 32nd. <laughs> so they the had worst. improved in some yeah. ways. They're no longer the yeah. worst, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, like, I don't, like, what is this defense good at? You know, mm -hmm. like, they exactly. don't really, they, they were stopping the runner in the stretch, but they still gave up 320 yards in a franchise record in one game. Like, that. <laughs> That's how volatile they are right now. Right. Um, they're not a good passing second, like defensive secondary. Um, right. They need a lot of pieces there. Their linebackers are replacement level, I guess. At, at this uh, that's point. fair. Like, yep. 
Yep. Um, they can they can they can rise up every now and then, but I think you can't expect like a high level of play over the course of a yep. season. Um, so I'm trying to figure out like what they did well, and they were turning the ball over. They were pretty op- opportunistic on they that were side. Up, yep. Um, <laughs> uh, they were stopping, limiting some red zone plays, and I mean holding teams to field goal instead of touchdowns every now and then. <laughs> um, I think all that kind of led to the 20 points per game over that stretch, which yep. was. Good. That was that was really nice to see, but you had to wonder how sustainable that was because that's not an identity. Like the 49ers no. have an identity. Like right. teams like that, you know what you're gonna get Baltimore, on a yeah. basis. Right. Baltimore. Yeah. Like teams like that, you kind of know what you're getting. I don't feel that way about the Lions. And it's gonna take time. Like we knew that. Mm-hmm. They need more pieces, they need more help. They'll get some of the draft this year. They got two first round picks. Um, they'll have some cap space to play with, not a ton, but Enough to where you can add some other players that can help you get to where you want to go. And, you know, they're riding this out. I think the hope for these final two games is that you can kind of get back to where you were playing during that level. Yeah. During that, um, you know, six and one stretch. And uh, ha- have some opportunistic plays, turn the ball over, maybe stop the run a little bit better um, and limit in the red zone. I think that's probably their best case scenario for what they have in this defense right now. And maybe next year when you get some some more guys, maybe a – Man cover corner for Aaron Gunn to play with. Right. Christian Gonzalez. Yep. I, I drafted him to line. Yeah, you took him in the mock draft. That's right. Today. Yeah. Uh, if you get a guy like that in and get maybe a linebacker here, maybe a Trenton Simpson with the other pick, and maybe he can start cooking a little bit more. But until then, right. we kind of knew what this defense was. They're limited defensive they're limited defensively. Um, they're limited in talent and is you know, it was always gonna take time for Aaron Glenn to kind of get the pieces that he wants to play, the defense and the style that he wants to play. Yeah, I think this was a good reminder of that because really when you were talking there, it just reminded me like their identity this year as a defense has been that they that they were at their best, they can play clean football. Right. Like that was what their identity <laughs> <laughs> that's what their identity was. Because yeah. at their best, they could play clean football and if the offense was screwing up and like making mistakes. They were gonna. They weren't gonna let you off the hook. Like that's what that's what they'd gotten to, and that's not nothing. That's not 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 every team in the no. league is that, and they weren't that when the season started. Right? They were a team that if you made mistakes, you could still beat them. If you made multiple mistakes, you could still beat them. Uh, now, probably not so much. You know, if the Panthers had played sloppy, you know, that might have been a different game. But they did not. They played like a playoff team, and they got their and the Lions got their ass kicked because that's just just idling at like. Pretty clean football is not enough uh, when when we're talking about you know fighting for your life. And I think Campbell's first statement after the game was like, "That was hard to take because this was a game where it needed to be about who wanted it more." It was negative fifty seven degrees. It was Christmas freaking day, <laughs> and there was a playoff game on the line. And you know they just and it was like you know there's a piece of meat on the ground, and they went over there and got it, and we just watched them do it, and that was what we did. That's what that game was. It was one team yep. was scrapping for its two teams went in scrapping for their life. One said, I'm you're gonna have to kill me, and the other said, Okay, I don't want to do it today. It's too cold. <laughs> and you know, I mean, yeah. like that's ultimately what it felt like. And when the Lions didn't, don't didn't Campbell, did he say yeah. that? Didn't I think he went up to Wilkes after the game and was like, That was a that was an ass kicking. That was is that what ass. he said? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I could a video see it. it I could see it because yeah. that's what it was. I mean, it was a it was a total ass beating, and you know, and Campbell's a former player. He gets that right to the core. There's, I doesn't care what the score is. I don't care what the yards say. That was an ass kicking. They could not stop anything. That's the old Nick Saban shit through a tin horn. They couldn't stop them on first and five. It wasn't going to matter. It was just all game long. And the Panthers, I think, won that game in preparation. They won that game with their plan. They won that game, you know, with their execution in the moment. And I think for the Lions, they've done a great job 
of taking adversity and getting the most out of it. And yep. hey, maybe right they were riding high, right? <laughs> people, I got people telling me they're reading their clippings, and I'm not going to sit here and discount that they weren't. Maybe a little bit. They're a young team. They're a young team, right? So not that yeah. they're reading their clippings, <clears throat> and not that they didn't overlook the Panthers, but like they're a young team, and the focus is still something that is a challenge. So maybe this is a good, you know, this can be used as a as a positive. It's not a good thing because they lost. Maybe it could be used as a positive because they need to burn that thing and move on because it was just a terrible day and you need to be able to bounce back from it. And that's the that's the test now. And that's been the focus, I think, this week. Yep. Um, you know, Campbell is basically like does not want to talk about the game anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think I he's trying either. to <laughs> – <Yeah>. nope. <laughs> and he's trying to make that, you know, point of emphasis in the building right now. And I think he likes what he sees from the players so far, yep. likes their response. Still early in the week, but um, – you know, I think he the, the whole mindset of this week is we got to focus on Chicago. We got two games left. Um, we can win both games if we play ourselves. We get back to what we were doing. We got away from that in this Panthers game. Let's not do that ever again. You know, I think right. that's kind of the message in the locker room, in the meeting room right now. Um, they're kind of moving forward, and they got some games here where like I think they can beat the Bears. They should beat the Bears. Right. Bears are terrible right now. Um, the only question there is like, is Justin Fields going to run for 320 yards? Like, yeah. <laughs> if you can stop him, <laughs> exactly. They're probably in pretty good shape. Uh, they don't really have a ton of weapons elsewhere. Their defense, like, I think they have 18 sacks on the season. Yeah, like they're that. a rough shape. And Lions, Lions rookies have like 13 yeah, combined the themselves. Are, like, Bears are a rough yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, not a good football team. No, not at all. So, I mean, you've got a couple games here, and like, you're still in a playoff. Yeah, in the playoff picture. Um, they were lucky that like every other team except for the Packers. Lost. Um, exactly. You know, the 49ers beat the Commanders. Uh, the Seahawks lost to the Chiefs. Um, the Giants even lost, which I think the Giants are pretty close to locking up a playoff spot. They just need one more win. But right. that keeps them in the mix, too. Um, if they lose out, they might not be in. So, I mean, they're still in the, they're still very much in the picture. They just got to take care of business. They got two games left. They're not going to be easy. But um, I think the whole mindset right now is, look, we were playing really good football. They were. We got away from that. We got our ass kicked. It happens in this league. What? How are you going to respond? And that's mm-hmm. sort of the challenge right now. And I think that's how they're kind of viewing this and approaching this next week. That's pretty much what uh, I think Jared Goff had said. And uh, you know, I wanted to actually talk about him for a second here before we hit the break because I think this also brings about an interesting you know pieces inside the Goff conversation because I don't think he played bad in this game, right? I don't think that he necessarily no. played badly. I mean, he, he competed, he fought, his numbers look good, right? I mean, so the numbers always don't tell the story. He had the fumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, and But, you know, I think that what this game shows you, ultimately, uh, is that he is not going to save you. He's not going to have enough to save you if the defense he falls apart, right? And that is yeah. what we talk about. When we talk about you know, tier one and tier two level, and maybe even tier three level quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the NFL, one and two, those are the guys that you can, your defense can have a bad day and they can, they can get you out of it, right? They can, they can at least keep you in it. They can at least keep you like, you know, 37, 35, right? At the end of the fight, maybe you lose that game, but like, you know, and I, I, this was 31, seven at at some point. And I, and I, and this is the hard part. And this is the stuff where I think our listeners they love these conversations. The Twitter people, they don't get it. But because this is the nuance <laughs> discussion, right? This is where it becomes difficult because he didn't play poorly. He did, He's not the reason they lost the game. Uh, he could have played great and they might have still lost the game. 
but you saw the difference between what a Tier 1 or Tier 2 quarterback is and what he is. Because that was Jared Goff giving you all he had. And it you knew it while you're watching that. It's not going to be enough. Like, he's not going to have yeah. enough. And I think that that is part of the conversation with the Lions quarterback. It's the, when you are moving, it's, you okay, he's, he's a perfectly fine bridge. I think we can all say that at this point. Um and for me, that's more than I thought he would be. So he's a perfectly fine bridge, and I think he's improving on that almost every day. But it does bring up that point of, like, this is a little bit of that Garoppolo syndrome, right? Or uh, any of those other guys in that category. You know, it's yep. they're not going to get you over the hump. And I think that this yep. game is an illustration of that. <clears throat> I was watching this, and after that first drive the Panthers had, I'm like, this is going to be a shootout. If Lions want to win this, it's going to have to be a shootout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right. and on the first, like the Lions, like to their credit, like I think they got in the third and long, and I was like, oh, they're going to have a three and out here. Yeah. And they picked up the first down, kept moving, scored a touchdown, tie the game at seven. And I was watching that, and I said, okay, yeah, if they can keep doing that on right. this defense, you know, this could be a, this could be could be a ball game. Um, they had a chance to take a fourteen seven lead. They got down to the red zone. I would put that fumble more on Ragnow than mm-hmm. Goff. It looked yeah. like Ragnow just kind of snapped it off his leg, which is a very rare mistake for him. Right, right. Um, but, you know, obviously that's a costly turnover. Um, Panthers go down, score a touchdown themselves, take a lead. And to me, I, at that point, I was like, okay, yeah, I don't know how this is going to go now. And then I think yeah. the Panthers kept scoring, but obviously the Lions, I think they had four straight three and outs right. now in the middle over. of the game. And, yeah. like, that's – the numbers look great at the end. Golf has like 300 yards and three touchdowns, whatever. Right. But like, it's the stretch in the middle that really determines the game. Like, if you're if it's going to be competitive in the fourth quarter, yeah. And more often than not, the Lions have kept things close and competitive in that middle stretch of the game, which is what sets up for these mm-hmm. close fourth quarters. But this game completely got away from you. You can't have four straight three and outs in the middle of a game. Right. That's how you end up going down 31-7, whatever it ended up being. And that at that point. You're playing catch up. You're just trying to make the scoreboard look a little better at the end, um, and uh, you know the numbers look good, but it yeah. they don't tell the full story. And, and so, that's why, yeah, that's why these bridge quarterbacks are hard, and that's why these guys yeah. in this situation, it's difficult. Mariota, you yeah. know, went through this this year with the Falcons, right? We, I mean, it didn't work. It's now he's off. He's on the bench. Um, all across the league, you see guys like this that aren't the top top end guys, and there's only like a handful. I mean, I don't even know how many we would say are. Those guys, but the Lions used to have one. Okay, Stafford was one of those guys that you were in the yep. game no matter what, even if it sucked, even if everything was a mess, you were still sort of in the game, and that's not going to happen to you, just not. And I think that that's not really a criticism that is just about Jared Goff. That's just part of the NFL. That's just part of football in general these days. We do not see like this year's quarterback class, this past season's quarterback class, with the draft class wasn't great. And that's kind of indicative of where things are going. There's a lot of system quarterbacks. College coaches don't want to teach football. They want to teach systems, all this bullshit. And so we see guys come out, and it takes them a long time to figure out how to play the game at a, you know, at a true off-schedule level while running a system the way that the greats do, the way that Mahomes and Rodgers and these guys who just have everybody on a string do. Obviously, you're not always going to get there and have that, but, like, that's what you you need to be closer to that area at quarterback when you're fighting for games like this because this is now the stuff that Sean McVay was pulling his hair out about right this was the stuff where it's like we cannot have 
three straight empty possessions in the second quarter because that's more important than all the 14 throws you hit in a row in the fourth when we were down 14, right? The, mm-hmm. the, when the, when the chips are down, you have to be at your best and you can't be less than. And, you know, to me, that's where the, the kind of the book still falls on Jared Goff. And it's hard because he's played so well this year. He's been a great leader. They like him a lot. They play hard for him. I would expect him to play well on Sunday. I would expect him to play hard sure. and all those things. But, you know, that's still the thing that kind of just sits there for me. So whenever I see people, that you know, I saw people getting mad at uh, some folks on Twitter the other day, yesterday, right? Because it what was it uh, Tannehill? Somebody said they should trade for Tannehill, and it's yeah. like, I mean, hey, look at like these are hard things. You can tinker with these things. I, I don't know why you would do that because in the middle level, they're all the same. Let's <laughs> well, be real, yeah. There's no reason to trade for a Ryan bridge Tannehill. is a bridge. Yeah, I mean, a bridge is a bridge. Like it's a hard life. I would put. I think golf is better than Tannehill, like, just for the record. I mean, like, I don't really see I think it's more about huge... team situations than anything else. And, you know, locker room fits and all that is such a big deal. More important, frankly, when we're talking about bridge guys. I think that is almost yeah. more important. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, yes, I think to your point, ultimately, it's all pretty much the same pool you're looking at there. It's When you look at quarterbacks, you're looking at tiers. You're looking at leveling, <laughs> right? You're looking at leveling up. And right now the Lions are in, like, the fourth tier. So, Moving yeah. for like a third tier guy, I'm not sure if that really does it. You, you're trying to get up into one or two. That's what you're looking for here if you're if you're Detroit. I think. Yeah, and like I think golf can be a higher end bridge. Like, and I sure. don't necessarily He's think young. bridge has to be. I don't necessarily think bridge has to be like a negative connotation with. The, I don't with either. The word, you know? I like, think it can be leaned into in today's game. Frankly, yeah. Like to me, like the whole reason why I'm fully in on going defense, defense with these two two first round picks mm-hmm. is because of the way golf is played. Yeah. And because I agree. this, this franchise has had some rough moments, especially the lot, you know, the Patricia era was bad. Like really the last playoff appearance, you know, since then it's been rough. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, if you have a chance to be competitive with the roster that you have, and a lot of those issues are on the defensive side of the ball, go fix that strength first or yes. go, go make that and then, a strength and then you know, worry, fix yeah. that. And then worry about the quarterback position because right now, like, yeah, he might not be a guy that elevates you to, you know, that Super Bowl level. He took a team there before, but yeah. like he might not be that guy anymore. You know, who knows? Um, but worry about that later. Like I look at what the Chiefs did. They were a playoff team for years with Alex Smith. Then they realized he's not gonna take us over the top, so let's find a replacement. Right. Rams did the same thing. Like build up your team first, then worry about that position hundred percent. If um so that's kind of where I'm at with them. If the Lions had like the Jets defense right now. Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Then you can level up and your and make it and, and bridge your way up and get the best possible quarterback you sure. can get. But that's yeah. not what this is, and I think no. that that's you know that's a fair situation. But yeah, it was an interesting game for all those reasons and more. We're gonna take a quick break here and come back and talk about a more important game, uh, Lions Bears, which uh, all the marbles, Colton. I don't know a lot of marbles on the line. They got a proverbial marbles on the line for this one. So <laughs> stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, everybody, we're back. Talking to the Lions, Bears. Uh, Colton, before we get too deep into this, can you reset the playoff? I, we should hit the uh, playoff bumper music here. Or <laughs> news update. I don't know what the playoff situation is, but I know the Lions are still uh, in it and not out of it at all. Obviously, need some help, but what's going on here? Yeah, uh, so for the Lions, you know, nothing, nothing really changes, actually. Like, they still need right, it didn't to get be that, one game yeah, better. Right. One game better than the Commanders, one game better than the Seahawks. Um, the Packers are now in the picture firmly, mm-hmm. but if the Bears beat the Packers, or if the, um, sorry, if the Lions beat the Packers in that final right. week, that kind of takes them out of the picture anyway. So the head-to-head game at the end will determine a lot. Um, but other than that, you know, the, the, the Lions need the Seahawks to lose one of their final two games. I think they've got the, the Rams and the Jets are their final two. Okay. Um, so I think the Jets can get them, honestly. You, you don't want the Rams I'm not so to get sure them. About the Rams. <laughs> yeah, right. I, <laughs> I mean, don't know. The Rams looked pretty good last week. Baker's uh, yeah, taking places. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> um, and then the Commanders have the Browns and the Cowboys, which Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, the Browns, okay. they're kind of playing hard. They might. Yeah, be trying to push the Cowboys are. Cowboys are playing well. Cowboys. Too. They are, but that that's week eighteen. And it is, and, right and they are they like this. Into the five <laughs> and the Cowboys yeah. are a roller coaster all the time. So you're right. They are. So if they're resting starters by week eighteen, the Commanders, yeah. in theory, should get that. And they need that game. Yeah, right. They need it. So, but now you have the Packers in the mix, and the Packers actually, believe it or not, have an easier path than the Lions. Imagine they that. just need the Commanders <laughs> to lose a game. They need the Commanders to lose one game. And they have to win their final two, and right. then the Packers are in. That's that's and how that works. Who does Green Bay have this week? Do we know off our hand? Minnesota. Min- so oh, not okay. easy. Not easy. It not easy game, but yeah, it's Minnesota. So first things uh, first, yeah. though. Lions Bears, uh, which last time these two teams played looked like a Bears win for most of the game until mm-hmm. the Lions were able to kind of grind their way through it. Um, 
Lions were in a different place, I would say, that time. That was the was that the game after the Packers win? That was right after they kind of yes. fixed themselves. Yep. And the Packers win was mm-hmm. almost like shocking uh, in a way to even them, it felt like, <laughs> to a degree, yeah. right? And then, yeah, so I think that they've obviously played much better. They're in a better capability place, we'll say. And I think Chicago has gone much further south since then, obviously, and is now fully focused on the draft. Actually, I'm going on uh, yeah. with the Bears guys later this morning to talk about <laughs> talk about Bears draft, I, I assume. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a huge game, but it's also Lions-Bears. Uh, these divisional rivals love to ruin each other's opportunities that sneak into the playoffs whenever possible. Um, so all bets are off on that. I, You know, Campbell talked about this week, you know, <clears throat> we have to just sort of forget it happened, right? I think that's the sort of mindset. I saw Goff had a quote yesterday um that was a good one that you know the amount of adversity or whatever that this team has been through this year like outweighs one game by like more than anybody can even you know imagine they were pretty much staring down the barrel of like is this whole thing going to get blown up our guys going to get fired i mean people just saw the nfl right i mean the the broncos just fired hackett um in the middle of his first season i mean people do not care anymore (laughs) right so like the, the all bets are off and I think that to Goff's point, that was a good point that he made, I thought, that like this team has proven that it can get off the ground and fix a problem, but this is there are no options now. You have no tomorrow. You have to do it. And, you know, that's where we start. Do you think this group is ready to do that? Yeah, you know, this is a pretty resilient team. Anytime <laughs> you start one and six and you win six of your next seven, like you have to show something where you're getting off the mat, like you said. Um, and I think golf is right. Like, I, I think they can use this in a way to motivate them to get them back up um, because they, they they got their ass kicked and they know yes. that. And yep. that's not the sort of effort they were looking to, to put forth. Um, every player was just like, we just weren't ready to play. And mm-hmm. best believe Dan Campbell, master motivator, will get these guys <laughs> ready to play this week. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's his he thing. He should. Yeah, right. That's his thing. <laughs> That's his, that's his calling card as a coach. Yeah, right. So I, I think they'll be better prepared. I think everyone will have a better game. Like, you know, this, this defense should bounce back. Again, the Bears offense is just entirely centered around Justin Fields and right, the running right. game and everything. And um, <clears throat> maybe not ideal for a team that just gave up 320 rushing yards. But at the same time, like, I don't think it'll be as bad as that. I think yeah. they'll fix a lot of things. Campbell already said, like, look, we watched the tape. We weren't that far off. We figured out what we need to do, and we're moving forward. So mm-hmm. they, it seems like they identified a lot of those problems. They're confident that they can get it corrected. Again, we'll talk to AG here in a little bit. I'm sure he'll say the same things. Um, but this is a game where they have to win it. And I think, like you said earlier, when this team is back, when their backs are against the wall, they kind of respond. And we've yeah. seen that this year. We've seen that with that 6-1 and one stretch. Um, and honestly, like – for them to for them to win out, right? Like that would require them going nine and one in their final ten games. And I've been yep. saying that for weeks. Like that's not really, really hard to do for a team like this. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, were, they had the number one pick by like week nine. Yeah, and here they are now. Like that's impressive. Um, but at the same time, like it was going always going to be hard to win nine out of ten for this team. So they lost one. Okay, cool. You've got two winnable games here at the end of the year. Um, Make or break. I, I still think this is a good season for them, right? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Absolutely. Built a foundation. Some young pieces have played well. Um, seven wins. That's a, that's a high end of what we thought. Seven wins. Doubled mm-hmm. their win total. I'd say six or seven. Yep. Probably six. Five or six. They, they beat yeah. that. Yep. So if they can get to eight, nine, 
even if they don't make the playoffs, that's still a successful year, do, in yeah, my opinion. Um, the future still looks bright, all that stuff. So to me, it's like, just, just see what you can do these final two games. Like, mm-hmm. try to win them, see what happens, um, let, let the chips fall. And again, already a good season, in my, my opinion, but uh, they're, they're, they want more. Like, Cam yeah, oh, yeah. Asked that. Well, I think, right. I think Carlos asked him that and was like, he's like, yeah. well, I'm, honestly, I'm not even going to like think about that right now because we still have. Right. goals to accomplish like we're still looking ahead so maybe after and, the season i'll think about that but not right now and reality is is there's no such thing as house money in the nfl it doesn't exist no. it's not a thing so you know everybody wants to win at all times and you know this is one of those games where it's the it's the next step in the line and it's a huge there every test now from this stage on like we talked about a couple weeks ago is the hardest stage of the rebuild because you're you can't go back you can't go backwards you have to just keep pushing forward and the higher you go the harder it gets and, you know, this is a game where, against Chicago, where we just talked about this. The Lions' identity on defense over the past seven weeks prior to the Carolina game or whatever was just playing clean football and just letting the other team make a mistake, screw it up, and we won't screw ourselves and we'll win the game. And against a team like Chicago, that's enough to do it. You don't have to do anything more than that. You win the game. You know, <laughs> like, just tackle fields, make sure you're, you're home. You don't have to, you know, reinvent the wheel. However, you have to do it now with pressure. You have to do it now with the understanding that if you don't, your season's over. If you don't, mm-hmm. it's done. And like we just said, there's no such thing as house money in the NFL. Reality is reality. The Lions are two games away from getting in the playoffs with some momentum and ending that goddamn playoff drought right now. Like, that is what is on the table. And this is the NFL. This is not, like, I say this all the time. Say the SEC, the Pac-10, the Big 12, whatever. We They don't lie to themselves up here. That You know, we're here to win. We're not here to... To lie about, you know, well, you know, it's a good thing we didn't win as many as we should have this year. So next year we don't have to win as many and we can maybe keep our job another year. No, that's not what this is, okay? And everybody here understands that. And I think that's why, ultimately, I think that's why this staff is pretty good. They're not going to do that. And I think that you said it earlier, there's video of Campbell walking across and telling Steve Wilkes, you just kicked our ass. No other coach in the NFL does that, okay? These guys are totally honest with their team. I think that's why... They've had that resolve, and that's why they've shown that ability to bounce back. But the big question now becomes, and this is the next step in your like growth chart, can you do it when like the it's the chips are down now? It's like external pressure that's beyond just like your own we need to play well for ourselves. Your life's on the line. Like this is now now it gets harder. And they've never been here. This is everything moving forward for this group is new air. And some of that, the opponent really is irrelevant. And I think that that's kind of where you're at with this one. You have to play your best ball, regardless of how they're playing. Like the Jaguars game, where it was like the, that game would have been, if the Jags had played their best, and we've seen the Jags have some really good days since then. If the Jags had yep. been playing their best, I still think the Lions would have won that game. That's the type of effort you need here and then next week against Green Bay, because next week against Green Bay, that's a good football team at this point, right? I think we can. Yeah. Aaron is done screwing around. He's decided that he's gonna, <laughs> he's decided that it's time to go, and they're playing well. So you're going to need everything you can you can have. And I think that this is a this is an outstanding opportunity at the end of the second year of this rebuild that I did not think they would have to test their entire core in like the hottest fires of NFL competition. This is the yep. this is where it's at right here. This is right on the line. You know, playoffs are a different level, but this is basically playoff football. You know, for the Lions. So, 
Been a long time since this franchise has been in games like this, and this group has never been in it. So it's a massive opportunity, and one that I think will serve them well next year. But like, no one cares about that right now. We need to see how you yep. perform in the here and now. I was going to say, I, I really think we're going to learn a lot about this group. I do too. And where they are right now with these next two games, because this is playoff football. Like, you want to make the playoffs, you have to win these games. I know people are saying, oh, they can still get in at one and one if every other team loses out. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And you know it's not going to happen. So, no, of course not. The mindset yeah. you have to have is this team needs to win two games. Right. From there, they need some help, but all they should be worrying about is winning these next two games. And if they can do that, I don't really care what happens elsewhere. That mm-hmm. that to me would tell me a lot about this absolutely, group. absolutely um, their ability to bounce back, point. their resiliency, um, you know, their willingness to compete until the very end. That will serve them so well next year. You just mm-hmm. talked about it. I think we can talk about that next year. I'm sure if they get into a place like that next year, they're going to be leaning on that this moment, like these next right two now. Right now, if they yeah. can do it, mm-hmm. they will look back to that and say, "We've been in this position before." You know, that's going to help us. You know, yeah. I, I think they're going to realize that at some point in the future. Um, this is where these young players are going to get tested. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure the 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 mindset and the message in the locker room right now is there's a lot of focus. And some of these dudes, like you see them, and they like goofing off in the locker room. <laughs> I, I bet it'll tense up a little bit these next two weeks. Yeah, and I think that'll be good for them in a lot of yep. ways. Yep. Um, yep. So I, I really think we're going to learn a lot about this team. And honestly, I'm just fascinated to see how it's going to go because I think it should be uh, really telling one way or another. Uh, I wrote the other day in a different story that, you know, I stole the Matthew McConaughey time as a flat circle line. And uh, it is because when this whole thing started, the Campbell uh, era, the first game Chris and I talked about on this show, the biggest key for that team is they cannot measure the game. They cannot measure the score. They cannot measure the situation. They have to play at full tilt with effort and clear heads at every down. Because if they're getting their ass kicked, it's it can't matter. Every snap has to be productive, right? And mm-hmm. there has to be something gained out of it. That was kind of the idea then. It's a different context now, but it's the same idea. The mindset and the message has to be measure the game, load the wagon, don't worry about anything else. Like because you just can't you can't like let something else beat you. You can't chase ghosts. These are the these are the tests of great teams or good teams and the in the and the journey you have to go through. Uh, can you survive those must-win scenarios where the the last thing you can do is is think about something that beat you two weeks ago or whatever it is, right? And yep. you just have to play clean football. Do not measure the game. If something happens, it has to be deposited, and you have to move on. And early in the year, or early in la- you know that first game, I remember they were down like thirty-five-seven or some shit halftime against the 49ers, and they came back and they had it down to like one possession, right? And Mm -hmm. they didn't measure the game. They played their butts off and they're right there. This is not the same thing, but the concept of like, just go play football. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about anything else. At this point, it's not about anything else. It's just about you. And I think that that this is going to be, you said it next year when, when it's load up time, this is going to be the, what they look at to see if they had enough or they didn't. And I think this is going to be a critical Critical stage. One thing before we uh, wrap up here this week, I I want to talk about you. Two things actually. You um did the mock draft, the staff mock draft, um, but yeah. also um the Pro Bowl situation. I don't think we spent a lot of time on the Pro Bowl snubs. Did we not last week? With we did Chris? not. We did not. Um, talk about golf a little bit. We did talk about golf. So Ragnow made it. 
right? And that's good. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. That's that's great. <laughs> you know, I think that the other arguments, Sewell has an argument. There's some other guys that have arguments, but Evan Ross St. Brown, other than like Matt Milano and like Derisaw, I'm not sure if there's a bigger Pro Bowl snub in the league. Than, yeah, that was uh, tough. The Sun God, am I right? I mean, that's that's pretty. He's going to be pretty pissed, I would imagine, for these next two weeks, and he's probably rightly so. Yeah, I tweeted out uh the office gif of like Ryan writing on the oh, notepad. Yeah, you're uh, damn right. <laughs> yes, sir. I was like, that's Amirazi Brown the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, this dude doesn't forget career. anything. He's going to remember. Yeah, he's going to remember <laughs> being snubbed in 2022, his second year in the league. He's going to take that with him. But right. I think casual fans watching, like, they see the numbers, and you know. I don't know. He doesn't have a high like yards per catch average. Right. Like I don't know. He's been, he's missed some time. But if you're really paying attention, he is like one of the most valuable receivers in this league mm -hmm. for what he does on third and fourth down. Oh god. Getting this team out of jams, like keeping the, the chains moving on like these crucial drives whenever they need it. He's mm -hmm. always there. He's always open. Um and to me, like it's hard to argue with the receivers above him. Like yeah. maybe Terry McLaurin. I think there's an argument there. Sure. Um, but C D, Justin Jefferson right. and AJ Brown, like, are all pretty deserving. But, um, I mean, the year that he's had, I think that's probably a more of an issue with like the amount of receivers that they exactly. Take. Like, it's four a, is yeah. a hard. It's indicative cutoff. of the yeah, the, yeah, right, the position. <laughs> but he, I think he'll get in at, at some point. If one of those receivers ends up in the Super Bowl, like, they'll be yeah. spot open. Maybe he'll get the alternate. Injury. Right? Yeah. Good he's call. A, he's a very first alternate, so yeah. he would get the call. Right. So I think he'll end up. There He'll probably, that's a good point. That's a good point. I actually, you know, it reminded me, um, Bill Simmons, uh, who sometimes I love Bill Simmons, sometimes I can't stand Bill Simmons, but he did say <laughs> something the other day that was awesome about St. Brown. And he said, did you see this where he called St. Brown the, like, I feel like St. Brown is like the football nerds, like favorite player, yeah. like, or whatever. Like mm -hmm. he's like the football nerd communities, like, you know, highlight guy. And he said something about like, is there any other, op and I'm like, well, there's a million other options. The football nerds love everybody, but but that's not wrong. Elman Ross St. Brown is like all the people who really study football and really know the game from, you know, like we like to look at it from, you know, the granular level of like what really makes a person valuable. Like he is one of the most valuable players on offense in the league, I would say, for just bottom brass tacks of like, can you move the football? Can you move the yeah. ball and sustain drives and get yourself out of jams? He's like one of the best in the league on third down or in any critical situation. Um, just like, and I think that the, I think everybody recognized that. That was cool to see that like the league media at large, you know, the national folks, everybody sort of was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like St. Brown's pretty yeah. good, man. Like Sewell, you know, was one that I actually, you know, did a little clip on him. And I think he probably has a gripe to a degree, but it's also, I, I also think Sewell has some growth still to go. Um, to where he can, you know, there's areas that he can get better at and all that. And he'll get there. He's I also no, first alternate, too. Like, yeah, and he'll, he'll right, be the same next man thing. Up someone, uh, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if both those guys are there. Um, I think they will. And it might be the first of many for both those guys. But St. Brown, I thought, was the bigger snub here because he's legit, man. He is, and it's going to be super interesting when the time comes for them to pay him. And then that's going to be yeah. another conversation for another day, but like, if the team is still the way it is right now, if the offense is still sort of based on, you know, this, what they do, he is their Elvin Kamara. I mean, he is their, you know, their version of that. He's not a running back, but like he's their, 
when I wrote it, wrote that in the story about Ben Johnson, when the chips are down, get the ball to St. Brown. Like that's the rhyme. That's the thing that they, that's all they do. Like it's everybody knows it. Like, and it's, and he still get he still Still gets it done. And I think that uh, it's been cool to see that continue. You know, last year we talked about that so much about, it was such a cool thing for them to kind of hang their hat on as a struggling team that had nothing really to be happy about except for him. And, you know, it's yep. carried over. And you could see this year, even in games that you mentioned, part of the reason maybe why he didn't make it was because of the injuries. Um, but even in the games where he was out, you could see how badly they missed him. Like how, oh, my God, it was like a different team. Just the you numbers know, with Goff and oh, you know, with him on and off the field, the fourth right. quarterback versus the 30th, like that shows you how bad he was in. So. <laughs> Pretty crazy. So that's been cool to see. Uh, the other thing, too, before we get out of here um, was the mock draft. And uh, – I wanted to talk about this, not just because you took uh, Christian Gonzalez, but it was like the worst case scenario, was it not? This was a tough, a tough draw. Can you explain what happened yeah. here? <laughs> yeah. So the Lions currently have the seven pick, uh, yeah. the LA pick. You know when they lost or they they beat the shit out of the Broncos, fifty one fourteen, whatever it was. <laughs> just ended an era uh, in Denver. <laughs> just got Hackett fired. <laughs> ended the um, ended Russell Wilson's career possibly. I guess we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but yeah, the Texans, they, they took Bryce first overall. Not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bears scooped up Jalen Carter, which I thought was interesting. They need some pass rushers, but I guess Eberflus needs that sort of they dominant need a lot. through tech. Mm-hmm. Um, Seahawks done picked up Willie Anderson, which is... Oh, not fair. Man, that's that's scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the one that pissed me off, like if I'm in my yeah. mock draft, because Deontay... Oh, well, yeah, he ruined it. Yeah, right. Okay. He ruined it, and he took Keely Ringo (laughs) at at fourth, uh, the cornerback. And the Lions, he's the consensus number one corner. Lions need a corner. (laughs) So that kind of ruined my plans. I thought he would be there at seven. Uh, Colts took Will Levis. It's it's about time they invest in the quarterback under the age of 38. Right. So good for them. Uh, Falcons, I was actually curious where Miles Murphy would go. Uh, He went six to the Falcons. I might have taken him at seven if he were there. Yeah. I also think the pass rusher is, I guess, less of a need with the emergence of James Houston. Romeo's back. Like they're, it's true. They've got enough there, I think. Yeah, not, um, not at seven. Yeah. Yeah. And then at seven, I had a decision. I was between uh, Brian Brise, mm-hmm. uh, the Clemson defensive tackle. Who's, yeah. If you can't get Jalen Carter, he's probably the next man up. Yep, yep. Um, if you want to go that route. Uh, a few different cornerback options. Joey Porter, Cam Smith, some of these dudes are, are going to be there. Um, I decided to go with Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had been talking about it in Slack, and just for what Aaron Glenn likes to do, he seems like a really good fit. Super talented um, guy, yeah. I know Dane's high on him. Mm-hmm. He's got great size and length, good athleticism, um, like really fluid hips. So I think he'd be a really good fit um, with this with this defense and what Aaron Glenn wants to do. So I took him at seven. Who was picking at four? Who did Deontay pick for? Uh, the Cardinals. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, uh, frankly, uh can't, uh, Ringo might be there, and like in that scenario, but it also he might not. Like that's one where it's I, like I don't think the Cardinals are as smart as I, Deontay, so I think he'll no. be there at seven. <laughs> and exactly, and like Deontay loves Ringo, and I think he wanted to make the point more than anything that Ringo's CP one in this class and like has top five Probably. traits, and that is fair. And in that exercise, I think that's totally fair. My, you know, I do wonder though, yeah, and it brings up the point if you if you you don't want to slip too far because you don't want to get. To a point where one of these teams says, well, we don't really love the edges. Maybe we don't love a quarterback. Let's just go get the best corner. Because that's kind of the default thing that you do, right? And mm-hmm. 
that's what you know. That's what that brings up there because I do think there's a significant dip. I do between Ringo and Gonzalez based on what we've seen from just tape. I mean, Ringo has really done it against some of the best, uh, and he's had moments of you know the the LSU game a couple weeks ago wasn't great, but he was friggin' awesome against Tennessee. I mean, he put them in a bucket. I mean, it was just completely, yep. he was running routes for guys, for God's sake. I mean, so he was. this is a really, <laughs> he's a really good football player. Um, I think he's the best press corner. Deontay obviously thinks he's the best press corner, and I would trust his eval on corners uh, over. And Dane, I think, would tell you the same too. I mean, that's no fluke there. So yeah, that's things. But when you told me Deontay picked him, I was like, okay, well, that uh, is some context I needed to know because that might not be how, <laughs> how that actually goes in the actual draft. But it does bring up the point, like, the Rams need to lose out here, man. Like, stop. <laughs> they need to just put the brakes on winning these games because, like, you don't want to keep falling. Like, you don't want to keep sliding. It's going to get harder. It's going to get harder and harder, as you could see when we when we were talking about it in there. Well, that's why that Raiders game, like, I'm just like, this ruined their plan. Like, if you win that, if you lose that Raiders game, okay, cool. You're still in that position. Right. You can be in that, I don't know, three to seven range, but... Now they're at seven, and they've won those two games. Uh, so if they win another, somehow yeah. they might follow the top ten, and then maybe you lose out on some of those guys that should be there for you at seven. Like I don't know. I man, like it's Baker Mayfield. Crap sure. shoot. That, that know, was probably the, a terrible signing for the Lions. <laughs> That's how it goes. The, this uh, is the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> You knew it would be like this. There's no, you know, what was it uh, a couple weeks ago? People were like, well, damn, the Lions are going to have the number one pick and they're going to win the Super Bowl. So it's going to be great. It's not always how it works. (laughs) Not how it works. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how it shakes out. But go check that out. Um, There'll be a lot more uh, draft content ramping up here when the year turns and when the regular season ends. Whether the Lions are in the playoffs or not, actually, uh, we have quite a bit of uh, draft content planned and on the on the rise but do check that out because that's a really good it's always a really good um early look before we get into the nitty-gritty of it of where like the beat writers are thinking because we did those and you guys will do those i want i don't remember how many of them that we do but there's a handful throughout the process and it's always super interesting to see where every team you know what i mean because our beat writers know where every team is thinking and where every team is thinking when you go down that list is not necessarily what those consensus mock boards tell us. So all these yeah. national guys still have them taking like Levis <laughs> or Shroud or something. And I'm staying far away from those dudes yeah. in every mock. Uh, so, so this is my annual PSA, ladies and gentlemen, uh, follow the athletic or subscribe to the athletic, especially <laughs> during draft season, because nobody does it better. Nobody will do it better. I will say that before we're said and done. But anyway, Colton, you got anything else for we uh, wrap up for this week? Yeah, also did a 2023 roster projection. Oh, that's um, right. Also a great, tried to, that's a great read. Try to tier that by guys that are foundational pieces for next year. Yeah. Chris and I have done that before. Fence. That's a good read, for yep. sure. Yeah. Um, you can yell at me in the comments of that story. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Go some hard ones in there. Some hard ones in there that probably need... <laughs> Some like deeper looks when the season's over here, especially on how yeah. these last two games go. I would imagine. So, anyway, yeah. oh, one last shout out. Hey, everybody! Uh, if you're on TikTok or Instagram, uh, I'm back on my TikTok and Instagram bullshit uh, now that the holidays are over. <laughs> uh, Nick Baumgartner, FB on both Instagram and TikTok, give me a shout. But in any event, that'll do it for this week. Enough uh, shameless plugs for <laughs> for Colton and Chris. <laughs> I am Nick. We'll talk to you guys later. 